Good morning, everyone. I am, I am like trembling with excitement to be back here and to see so many of you, to see friends that I haven't seen for a long time, and also to meet new friends. I want to thank God for his faithfulness. And I'm reflecting on Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We have been able to see and experience God's power in such amazing ways. And before I get too far into this message, you know, before, uh, as I was arriving and moving around in the back, people would say, Don, it's great to see you. Where's Amy? (laughs) (laughs) Amy and my two boys are here this morning, and I want them to come up here on the platform. I didn't tell them because otherwise they'd say, don't do that. They're going to tell you their names and where they are in school, what, what grade they're going into. I'm Nathaniel, and I'm going into freshman year of high school. I'm Josh, and I'm going to be a senior. And I'm Amy. I'm still in school. <laughs> I'm the cheerleader for the team. <laughs> You want to say anything else? And I, I just want to say that it's, it's a, just a joy to be back here and home this morning and just driving up and being able to share with our Kenyan family about the story of how Don and I met and the, our time here at the church um, and seeing special places is just, um, just an incredible gift. So we just want to just say it's so good to be home today and um, it's a joy to be able to share um, our friends with you today. It's going to be a wonderful morning. Amen. Wow. God is amazing. And I have some other friends that I'm going to introduce to you as we move through this brief time that we have together. But I hope by the time that we're finished, and by the time we say the last, sing the last song and say the last amen, that everyone in this room will have sensed the presence of God. That you will have understood that God is a God of power, that he works within us to accomplish his purposes for his glory. And that in some way, you will leave this place inspired to do something beyond what you could have asked or even imagined for his honor and for his glory. Ephesians 3, I read that verse in verse 20, but I just want to back up a little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there too. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. There's a couple things I want to draw out that really makes verse 20 that I already read that much more meaningful. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit 
in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then it moves into that wonderful verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Did you notice the word power several times? As I saw that in verse 20, I thought, well, what is the author trying to say? What is this power and where does it come from? And so I looked up here in the earlier verses. You can see there in uh, verse 15, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with, with power through his spirit in your inner being so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's it. That the power will reach into us so that what? What's the reason that God's power is there? So that Christ can dwell in my heart. That Christ can dwell in my heart. Can we say that together? That Christ may dwell in my heart. That is why you and I were made. And regardless of where we go, whether it's here in Garden Grove or all the way to Africa, God has made us so that he can dwell within us. So that he can live within us. And there is no greater joy and no greater purpose than that. That's why his power is here. That power moves in us, that he takes residence. He is our daily friend, our momentary friend. We walk with him, not just on Sundays, but we wake up in the morning and we put our feet on the floor and we say, God, orchestrate my steps today for your glory. I do that every day. Before I put my, as I put my feet on the floor, I, I, I don't usually say it with that enthusiasm. I say, God, God, orchestrate my steps. It's a a matter of the will, isn't it? Say, God, I'm yours, you're mine. Let's move through this day. I have no idea fully what it's going to hold, but I know you dwell within me. Your power is there. And then we we read down another, uh, we continue. It says, and I pray, he says, that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love. Isn't that interesting? The other thing that his power is there is just so we can understand his love. His power is there so that he can dwell within us and that that same power will help us understand his incredible love for us and for those around us. And that when that love is in us, it motivates us to move into action. And as we move into action, God begins to orchestrate amazing things above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. Was it 32 years ago I came in this room for the first time? I was your new youth pastor. My hair was black. (laughs) I was so skinny. And I don't know if anybody was here in 1985 
are you kidding? <laughs> it was black. Can you verify that? <laughs> and I was so youthful. I pray I still am in some way. That's why God gave me these boys. And God has done abundantly beyond all that I could have asked or even imagined. It's at this altar that I prayed, God, someday you'll bring a woman into my life. Little did I know God would bring that woman into this church and into my life. And that's Amy, who was one of your pastors. You remember Pastor Amy. And then as I started in Africa, going back and forth as you, you prayed for me just before I went, that first trip in 1989 at this altar, and you sent me to this place. I, I, I saw the power of God. I saw the power of God prior to that when I was at Azusa back in the 70s when I surrendered my life to the Lord during one chapel where I said, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, wherever I am willing. It was that place of power where I said, God, let your power dwell in me completely. Whatever you want, whatever it costs, I am yours. It was that head decision. But it was here that the heart decision had to happen when I was up in the boardroom up there because this church received a letter from a guy, a pastor in Africa, and he invited somebody to come. And I was at that board meeting as one of your associate pastors, and the letter said, can somebody from your church come to Africa? And, the, and Dave Henry put the letter down and he said, who from our church would go to Africa? <laughs> and my heart started beating out of my chest. My head said, don't you dare raise your hand. They probably have spears. <laughs> but my heart, the indwelling Christ in me, said my power is there. Raise your hand. And it was a three-second argument. And the Lord reminded me of that decision I made at APU. But now it was the one-foot faith between what I had said and what my heart was willing to do. It's about a foot, isn't it? Don't let that just stay here in your life. Don't just say, God, I love you. Don't just say, God, I'm willing. Move into action. And on that day with my hand trembling, I raised it high. And Dave Henry saw it. And he said, Don, do you have a question? <laughs> I said, no, I'll go. And then he and everyone else in the room said, yeah, you go. <laughs> and if you survive, I mean, when you come back, tell us what it's like and what opportunities there are. And my friends, what God has done, I had no idea. I was so scared. That was the most wonderful, awful trip of my life. I was thrilled to see what God was doing. And I was scared. I was tired. I was sick. And I got exhausted. And I, almost every other day I said, go, oh, Jesus, be me home. <laughs> but God had a plan in mind, and it was above and beyond all I could have asked or imagined, because I did ask God to use me. But you see, I love that verse here in 14. That's why I wanted to read that first. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. His whole family. You see, none of this that's happened in Africa could have happened without his family, his whole family. And friends, you're that family. Many of you have started from way back then to pray, and you're a part of this journey, part and parcel. This church supported, up to now you've supported. When we started the ministry in 95, 
I prayed before the worship service this morning. They said, let's meet in the back to pray before the service. Do you know the room we prayed in? Was Empowering Lives International office. <laughs> That's where the pastor of this church said, Don, start Eli here. We got a little room in the back. Nobody's using it. You can start there. And that's where we prayed this morning. Talk about full circle. This is amazing. And I, I just can't help but sense that God has people in this room that maybe are at the beginning stages of something, but listen to him. No matter what age you are, it's never too late to say, Lord, I am willing. What do you want to do with me? Because you have a family. You can't do it alone, and you're not intended to. God gave me an amazing wife. Then he's given me a team. And now in Africa and in the U.S., we have about nine Americans full-time on staff, but the rest are all national leaders, 107 employees. Yeah. Ministry in four countries. And maybe some of you would say, I'd, I'd like to hear from one of them. Veronica, would you come up here? <laughs> Veronica... Bushine. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Before you say or do anything, you greet one another. Yeah. Thank you, Veronica. Mm -hmm. Yes, tell us who you are, what you do, and anything else. I'm Veronica Bushine. I'm mother of three, married to John Bushine. Um, bringing greetings from uh, my family. Please receive. Do this. Wow, that is good. So I'm so much grateful to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, we have heard of uh, Living Spring Church, and I thank God that I'm able today to stand uh, in, in front of you people. I would like to glorify God, to appreciate him, because as we have heard, it's here where God spoke to the heart of uh, our brother Don. And thank you, Don, for saying yes to go to Africa. I know it took uh, 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 you to trust in God and say, yes, God, I'm going. And here we are today to uh, worship and glorify God for uh, big things and successful things that are, are happening down in Kenya. We have seen God bringing up uh, orphan children and those people that were, they didn't have hope. So today I want to say thank you so much, Church, for standing with Empowering Lives. We have... Uh, we have brothers and sisters who have been praying with us, standing with us, giving and supporting the ministry to continue. And I would like to say thank you so much. May the almighty God bless you and your family. Thank you and be blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Veronica. Amy and I have been, over these years, been able to establish relationships that are family. Sometimes when I preach at a church, when Amy and I were there living in the village, and we didn't have a vehicle, we didn't afford it in those days. In fact, from, the, from the, where the training center is in Kenya that we started to the main road was about two miles, I think, isn't it, Veronica, or four kilometers? And uh, we used to ride a donkey cart. And we started in a small grass hut, and we had all these national uh, friends. And sometimes we, when we'd come back, when we would come back to visit, then people would say, you're there by yourselves? 
you know, what did they mean? You're, you're, you're the only Americans. But we would say, no, we're surrounded by several thousand people. <laughs> and we've never felt alone. We've never felt alone. Veronica, her husband, her husband Bush is our chief operations officer for the uh, ministry in Kenya. And he is a gift from God. Well, friends, the power of God. I love that verse uh, there in the, in the very beginning because uh, he says, his power at work within us for the glory of God. You see that in verse 20? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His power at work within us. And I've seen that power in such amazing ways. I saw that power at Azusa when I was younger. And God called me to himself to really surrender. I saw that power when I raised my hand. And though I didn't know what was going to happen, I knew God's power was with me and that he was challenging me to do that. I saw his power when after that first trip, seeing that pastor who's in Tanzania where whose son's stomach was protruding because of malnourishment and my heart broke for that man who wanted to reach his whole village his whole nation for Christ he didn't have the means to feed his own children who were starving and when I came back I shared the stories and many of you said what are we we gonna do and many of you will remember the garage sales we did the stuff sales you brought your stuff. We filled that narthex, that exact narthex. And within a couple weeks, we had enough money to help that pastor buy a boat and a fishing net. And when I went back that year, when you sent me back the next year, he, he had the boat and the net. And he was not only feeding his own family, he was employing seven other men in the village. And I was hooked. And so I started looking at other businesses that we would be able to start. And that's where going back and forth for five years, volunteering, starting businesses, going, taking some of you as a short-term team. Then in 95, the pastor of this church and two businessmen from this church said, Don, what God's doing is bigger than our church. You need to start, step in faith and start a ministry. So thank you for what you've done. There are some days I don't thank you. Honestly, I said, oh God, I want to work somewhere else. But I'm telling you, when I see what God has done, I say, Lord, it's only by your grace that I have had the privilege to be a part of your work in this way. And I thank you for the family that has allowed your power to work within us for your glory. That power that saw that pastor go from a man who couldn't feed himself to somebody who was employing others in the village his power that, that allowed me to meet two Kenyan leaders who then donated their land so that we could start a training center on their property. And to this day, there's those same two training centers. To see his power when I was in Tanzania struggling to try and start some businesses, not knowing really what I was doing, but saying, God, I'm over my head here. And within a couple weeks, a Kenyan lost. He was from Kenya. He was supposed to preach at some church. He's a businessman, and he got lost. And God's, and people started pointing and saying, I think it's that way. He got on a bus. He got on a taxi. He ends up walking a half a mile up to the little church where I am, and he thought it was the place. And the pastor, the Tanzanian pastor said, you're lost. I don't know where you're supposed to be, but what are you teaching? He said, business. <laughs> and that man 
ended up donating his property in Kenya and has been part and parcel of this work ever since. I saw his power when he brought Amy through that door and then into my life as my wife and I've seen his provision now for these 22 years of Empowering Lives International. And I've seen his power as we've trained people, you know, for 20 years, the poor. Instead of giving handouts, we, we equip the poor to live sustainable lives that honor God. If you get our newsletters, you'll see that statement over and over again. Equip the poor. Give them ideas. Give them knowledge. Give them training. Equip the poor to live sustainable lives. Not just a temporary fix, but a life that is changed and ultimately that honors God. And just about four years ago, as we've trained thousands over these years, but God opened the door for us to reach some brewers who, because of poverty and lack of knowledge, didn't know any other business they could do. So they were brewing and selling illegal, dangerous, in many cases, lethal liquid in their villages. But we were able to train 47. They went back home, and the other ladies who were still brewing saw the transformation not only economically, but spiritually, because all 47 of those ladies gave their lives to Christ during the five-day training. They had changed from the inside out. The next month, we were able to train 57, who said, we want that. And then the next month, 81. The next month, 92. And since I was here last, which was, I don't know when it was, but anyway, I, I know at that point we had trained around 250 and that's just a little over two years ago. But as I stand before you today, we've been able to reach 882 families who used to brew alcohol as a living, who now are doing restaurant, poultry, gardening, dairy cow, and 90% of them have given their lives to Christ. And over 90% have never returned to brew. In fact, we have a, we have a few uh, slides of one of these ladies. Can you put that first slide up of those of that lady. This woman, Ruth, was one of the most notorious brewers in her community. In fact, when, she's the one on the left, another lady who had come out of brewing through our program really felt a call from the Lord to reach other brewers for Jesus. And she was in the chief's office and saw this lady's name as one of the most wanted criminals. And so Paris said, felt the Holy Spirit saying, I can do abundantly beyond all you ask or imagine, go for Ruth. She visited Ruth multiple times. Ruth was so resistant, so stubborn, and so mean. But the love of God began to penetrate until Ruth came to our training and during that five days found Christ. And now this is her a year after she found Christ at our training center congratulating the 13 other women that she brought to the training center. And since then, Ruth, who was the most wanted criminal in her village, is now the chief elder of her community of over 3,000 people. And then, after she showed her faithfulness, they put her in charge of 27 elders in the district. From the greatest criminal to the, one of the greatest leaders, and God is not finished. Now we're not only train, continuing to train women who want to come out of that business, we are also training those who have come out in a second stage of leadership. 
discipling them so that now they are following up and they are leading. And that's just one of the branches of what Empowering Lives is doing. But for the rest of this morning, I want us to focus on another one. And I think I have this magic thing here that they're saying, why aren't you using it? Let me see if I can get this going. I touch that. Play. Wow. I like that. (laughs) You see, in Kenya alone, imagine, uh, there are 2.6 million orphans. I really wasn't aware of that as we were focusing on training these adults. But one of the days, there was one of the women in our program Uh, agricultural training. She was improving her dairy cow, coming out of poverty. And when she passed away, her children had nowhere to go. What actually happened is that one of our staff, our key leaders, was at the burial. And they buried the mom. And everyone believed that one of the relatives at the funeral was going to take these children and then raise them. But at the burial, all of the relatives began walking back And when our director looked at them, they just shook their head, and they all walked away. And three children are left to the great side of their mother. But I praise God for our national leadership, because without skipping a beat, he looked at them and he said, all right, let's go home. And because of our sponsorship program, we were able to help those kids go off to beautiful boarding schools. And one of those boys ended up at Azusa Pacific University and is now the business manager for a hospice in Kenya. The other ended up being a teacher in our local elementary school, and the other is now on her way to college. You know, God is amazing what he's doing. But I prayed, I said, God, there are so many of these vulnerable children, hundreds, even even tens of thousands who have lost hope, and there's no one to help them in their desperate situation, but Lord, this is above and beyond what I can imagine, because how do we start a children's home? But at that year, when I was here in the States, there was a man who told me, a businessman who told me, I told God when I was a young person that if God would let me marry Fran and make me successful in business, I would help orphans when I'm retired. He said, I retired five years ago, but I don't know how to help orphans. I said, I've got an idea. (laughs) And within two years, we built the children's home that Veronica is now the lead counselor with and that we've been able to raise now 244 children who otherwise would have no place to go. And because we started this home 13 years ago, can you imagine? When we brought them all in, it seemed a bit simple. They're, they're just little kids. You know, you swing them around and pinch their cheek and they eat little food. <laughs> but they grew up. And now we have 74 who have graduated from our home and are somewhere in Kenya pursuing higher education. 74. And I really would love if you could meet Vincent. This guy is so sharp, brilliant young man, articulate, and he loves God. And and wouldn't it be great for you to meet him? It would be great. In fact, let's meet him right now. Welcome Vincent Gunzulu. Thank you. 
tell us in brief your story, Vincent. Yes, God is good. Amen. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here today, and I'm happy to see all of you. You know, you sang a song this morning, and there was a statement that God makes orphans sons and daughters. That really touched me, and I, I'm so happy to be here today. And you know, for that reason, in Kenya, many families are perishing due to alcoholism, HIV and AIDS, and other diseases. Uh, this leaves uh, many kids, children, young, orphaned. Some of them are not, they lack the moral support, they lack the spiritual guidance, and uh, also they don't grow physically well. And I've been a victim of this. 15 years ago, I was a victim of this. So my parents passed away when I was seven years old, and they both passed away around the same time during the same year. And I was so young, I had uh, an elder brother who was 14 years old, and my sister was younger. She was uh, four years old. So we were all young, left young, and life became tough for us. We, had, we went through tough times, and there were times that we lacked food. We could go hungry, sleep hungry, and sometimes we could not go to school because there was no one to pay for school. There was no one to provide for us, and life was so hard for us. We were forced to move in with our grandfather, so, and our grandfather at the time lived with one of my cousins, and so my brother, my sister, and I moved in to live with them. And also life also just became tougher and harder for us because our grandfather was old. He was not working. It was hard for him to provide for us because given his condition and the state he was in, it was hard. It was tough for us. So life was just tough. We did not go to school. No food. We could just sleep hungry. And you can imagine what we went through. It was hard for us. And uh, we lived with our grandfather for two years. That was our parents passed away in 2002. So in 2004, God opened a way in a mysterious man. I don't know how. So we were told by someone of this school, you we were just told it's a boarding school. You're going to a boarding school, and there you'd go to school, and maybe during vacations, come back home and spend some time with the relatives. But... So I thought of it, and yeah, I had lost hope in life. Maybe this was a good chance for me to go to school, have education, and maybe my life would be better, I would change. So I was somehow excited to go to school, so I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a boarding school. So we went to this place, and what I saw was totally different. It was not a school. It was a family. I was put into a family. I had brothers and sisters. In my family, I had 12 sisters and 11 other brothers. So this was a family. I had someone to call dad and mom. I would talk to them, tell them what I was going through, and they would encourage me. They would guide me spiritually, and uh, they'd give me the moral guidance, and it was a family thing. It was a great place to be, and uh, 
Yeah, we would have evening devotions every day, praying, singing, fellowshipping together, and it was just a great place for me. And I would have meals every day. There was no time I missed a meal compared to back in the days when I would sleep hungry. I would not go to school. The school was just nearby walking distance. So I would walk to school every morning and the good thing, God did great things. My grades started improving when I moved into the home. And luckily I got good grades in my final tests. That's the primary school, grade 8. And I went into high school. The family that I was in, the family that God gave me, the ELI family, still, still paid for my high school. They educated me all through high school. I graduated high school, and then it was time for me to go to college or university. So I, I passed with good grades and in my high school, final year in high school. And uh, right now, I'm going to my fourth year. In university, I'm taking a manufacturing, industrial, and textile engineering. So you can see how God is doing things. <laughs> I'm so happy. Right now, I have hope. I have a, can see a bright future ahead of me. And I know God is going to do great things and is going to use me to change the lives of many other people in Africa, just like my life has been changed and transformed for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so this morning, I want to say thank you to the Living Spring Church. This is where it all started, and I'm so happy to be home. This is home for me. So thank you so much, and may God bless you. Keep doing the good work. Let's change life together and keep being our partners. We love you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Vincent. God is moving in special ways. Thank you for sharing that story. He's given us amazing staff there in Kenya. He's given us beautiful children. We have two orphanages, two children's homes. There's just about over 100 in each one of them. They're about an hour and a half away. Each of them is around seven, eight acres. And they live in families. It's not a dormitory kind of style. He had 11 brothers in in his uh, large room and... Then uh, there was 11 sisters. We have a Kenyan mom and dad. And then we have a grandma and grandpa. Veronica here that you met is the go-go. She's the grandma of the Kip Karen Karen home. I love this next photo. And what I'd like if we can move to that video. We have just a a three-minute video that I want to show. But you see the sisters and brothers? (laughs) The sisters saying, please. (laughs) Give me a little bit of time. To relax. So, what God has in mind for us is amazing. And we're looking forward now to bringing in 30 new children before the end of the year. But take a look. This will help you understand a little bit more of what it all looks like. I thank God for what He's done. Abundantly beyond all we could have asked or even imagined. And He's not finished as we have friends like Vincent, who, uh, boys who have now graduated off to university, we have empty beds. And so there is no picture on this because we haven't brought the child in yet. We need sponsors who will say, yeah, I'll be one. 
if you can commit to now and let us know that you say, yeah, I'll sponsor it, $35 a month, uh, then we'll be able to get enough sponsors and then we can, I can go to our board and say, hey, we've got the resources. Then immediately we'll bring the children in because we have relationships with pastors and with the government and we know how to find those children. So you can visit our table back there and help us sponsor. Uh, there are some of our current kids that have lost a sponsor. And so you'll see those have photographs. So those are some of our current kids. They need a sponsor. In fact, the full sponsorship is 140 a month because we provide everything. It's not just a school and a weekend program. This is 24-7 care, medical care, uh, health care, everything that's involved with a parent, security guard, water bill, everything. But sponsors share one child. So this girl, um, Faith, needs one more at 35. So that, it's very simple to sign up. In fact, in your bulletin, you've got a card. And if you'd like, you can just fill that out and leave that with us at the table. But we would like you to sponsor, uh, sign up today if you have the time. We have the iPads and everything there. Well, thank you so much, friends. It's been a journey, but I'm not quite finished because we want to conclude this service this evening because we have one of our young ladies who is also in university, who will share a final word before we pray. Can we welcome Gladys? She grew up in the home that Veronica was the grandmother. Hello. I am Gladys Cherono, and I'm honored to stand at a church that is responsible for who I am today. Thank you. Uh, I remember some many years ago, just like Dawn said, every child deserves a family. I was born in a family of four children and a dad and a mom. My dad was a soldier. My mom was just a housewife. And then in 2000, Due to several illness, my dad died. And you can imagine my mom was do, doing any work. So it was hard for her to somehow handle the family. And we had a lot of financial problems. Uh, like my brother had to step out of school so that I could go on with school. My younger sister was not even born, my youngest. And then my mom, Mostly the thing that killed my mom was a lot of stress because she used to see how much life changed from how we were up to the life that we could not even have food. We could not go to school, we could not have good clothes. And that is what really made my mom to feel bad and to start being sick. And then in 2000 and, 2004, my mom died and it was I was only six years old. My youngest sister was four, and then there was one who was, who was five years. And it was the most hardest part of our lives because my brother was only eight, so my brother could not do any work. He was under the age of doing work. He could not be employed. So if we could not have food while my mom was around, you can imagine when my mom is now dead. 
So a lot of our relatives neglected us. That was the hardest part of my life because I thought family is best known in hardship. But to me, family was never known. I never knew the meaning of family beside my brother and my sister. And again in 2005, my sister passed on. So it was hard because we used to, I really had to blame God a lot. I never loved God. I used to ask him, why did you choose our family over and over? Why did you just choose to take away all my parents? You could even have taken one. And then even you take my sister, why did you do that? So I had to blame myself. I even thought it was me that was making everyone just do that way. But God is faithful. Even in our darkest hour, he always lets the light shine. And in 2006, I was called upon as one of the children to join the current children's home, together with my youngest sister, because the other one had passed on. And my brother was big, so he could not attain the age of joining the home. So that is the time I thought it was like, I was just going, for boarding and then I'll come back home. I did not know it was a home that I could stay. And then I had to choose between my brother and my younger sister. And then the thing that made me to go with my sister is because over and over she used to ask, where are people going? Where's my mom? Why don't I understand what's going on? So I had to stand there as the biggest sister and tell her that your mom will come back. She will just be there, you'll see her one day. And when I joined Kipkaren Children's Home, I was very young. And during that time, my sister was so sick. So after the time we got to the gate, while we were being welcomed, my sister was taken to the hospital. So I got in, I got new clothes, and then I was given a family. That's the thing I love the most in this world. I really value relationship and I value a family. And then I asked myself, these are not people related to me by blood, but they are people who are related to me by situations and people who want to be, to see the good in me. So I was given a family with 11 boys, 12 boys and 12 girls. It was a family of 24 and life really changed from life of not eating to a life of having even four meals in a day and having a family to joke around and to talk with and having a mom and a dad. So my answer, my prayer came true because I used to tell my, my sister, your mom is back and your dad. And my sister understood. She was young, so she took it as real. They are our parents and they've never made my sister regret because they've been parents in all the ways. And I really appreciate God for that fact. And I, I went to class four, I was in standard four. When I joined there, I finished my eighth grade. I joined the um, high school. I did form one up to form four. I was selected to join the university. And that is how God has worked in my life. I have seen children grow. 
I have seen the love that is found in a family and I appreciate God for empowering Lives International for making the most important thing coming true in my life. And thank you all for doing that. You did that to my sister and you did that to all those children that you see on the screen. May God bless you. They'll be in the back. I know they'd love to interact with you, to get to know you, to get to know your name, and to connect with you in a deeper way, as well as my family. We love you in Jesus, and I want to thank you for being a part of helping us accomplish something that we're still moving forward. I hope you see that. This isn't thank you, Elias, now closing. <laughs> This is a milestone time of 22 years of ministry together. And in many ways, I feel like we're just getting started. <laughs>